1: Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast, and this week we're doing our annual look ahead. Mm -hmm. Now, over the years of the podcast, we've kind of changed shapes with this because now we have an upcoming release calendar. There's a little bit more transparency on what's on the calendar, how things should shape up. So we've had to put our thinking caps on a little bit more and do some forecasting. So with that, let's get started with Look Ahead 2023, looking to 2024 edition.
0: So the first question we have here is, of the known sets, are there any clear heaters in the list or clunkers in the list? And we decided to kind of take this one on hard mode, so we're not looking at RAV Remastered, which would be the clunker, and MH3, which would be the heater, because that's just obvious. So for me, when I look at this, I think the heater is going to be... Blood Barrel, I think is the name of it, right? It's a Bloom Barrel. Did I type over that? Um, yeah. I think it's it's a, a high fantasy set uh, that a lot of players have kind of been clamoring for since learning about the IP and IP related or external related IP content. Uh, the way they kind of inject things like that into the product, it has the ability to revitalize revitalize this interest, bring us back to this kind of like high fantasy normalcy that we saw yeah. on Dominaria a world that basically stemmed from Dungeons and Dragons. And by being so kind of like off the wall in this regard, where the majority, if not all the characters are going to be centered around animals, it has, like I said, the opportunity to renew interest from older players, as well as bring some newer players in when you see what they're doing creatively within the game. Uh, Conversely, I think the the clunker is going to be uh, Outlaws of Thunder Junction. I believe I said this before, which is like... Right now, the Western is kind of making a resurgence with younger people, but I really just don't think that anybody that plays Magic kind of gets Westerns the way our parents and grandparents did. And I don't think it's really going to generate a lot of interest from players to be, like, making tumbleweeds and equipping spurs. Yeah. So, for me, that... I think that's going to be the the clunker overall. Like the worlds might be awesome, but I just don't think people care about a Western setting.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. And I think, you know, unfortunately uh, I, I'm excited for it because I love Westerns. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see as we get to it, it. And maybe it's, not the case but to me it seems like they're going a lot more thematic with this year's set designs Mm. you know a long time ago Mero talked about top-down bottom-down set design and they've been focusing a lot more on I believe it was top-down was where he said we have the overall theme and feel and we develop from there Um, and I I think it's interesting to see how that goes because I think it becomes infinitely more important then for you to be in touch with your audience and I don't know that Hasbro is Okay. in a way that's actually going to make a difference. But I'm, I'm super stoked to see what happens over the next year, obviously. It yeah, sounds awesome. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's actually a little bit of a curveball. Um, I'm going the same set for both.
0: Okay.
1: Fallout. So we've been through a few large IPs now worth of Universes Beyond releases to see kind of how the market holds it how magic players react Mm -hmm. and what the longevity of those sets is so i think that rather you know you've got your lord of the rings on the incredibly successful spectrum you've got your warhammer in the middle and then over here on the absolute dud you've got doctor who yeah i think fallout is going to fall squarely in between warhammer and lord of the rings but Hmm. I think the Venn diagram of those two is mostly overlapping in terms of people who will actually give a shit about this product. Okay. So I think it's going to be something that's very successful, yeah. but I think it's going to have a very short-lived success. Not like Doctor Who short-lived, uh, but I, and I think it will sell a little bit better long-term than will, obviously, Warhammer. I think the thing that's probably going to hold it back is energy being part of the design. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good mechanic. It's very narrow. It's parasitic. Yes. Not to mention, like, you kind of have to be specific on where you're using it. It doesn't work on just any plane. Like, thematically, it's steampunk. Yeah. Which is why at it fits core. so nicely. And Yeah. It, it At its core, it's just maybe a little bit more fantastical steampunk. But that's what it is. And you need a plane that features that. And we have one ever... Maybe if we want to go back to Mask's era Dominaria, that could be a place where it would thrive. But I don't see this doing well because it'll be flash in the pan. Yep. But then you'll have a steady, but not long supply, but steady amount of people that are just like, eh, you know what, I like Fallout. I'll pick it up because I haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I expect it to be a little bit of both. And I expect, you know, bonus edition. Um, Assassin's Creed will be the set outside of the hard mode sets that breaks a format without them trying to do something. And I think it's going to be some insanely pushed removal spell.
0: Oh, I was thinking it'd be some ridiculous piece of equipment.
1: That that would be the other one I could see, too, is like just some absurd Jit-style equipment that's... Oh, well, it's Jit, except that we thought giving them a poison counter would make it worse.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they already have a lot of really pushed ninjas. Uh, what is it, the 5-drop one from Modern yeah. Horizons is probably Jeez. like the most push thing we'll see for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I can imagine Assassin's Creed breaking something. I like the the conversation about Fallout and energy because it is a very small mechanic in the sense that it's very difficult to bring back. It is very parasitic. And the concern I had when they announced that Fallout was going to be an energy set was just that there's not enough support from outside Fallout to really make energy work in Commander in a meaningful way that doesn't poison the gameplay. So I, I, I do kind of understand why you're looking at it the way you are and on to the next question will the market continue a gradual downtrend in prices i think it will
1: okay um i think this you know the economic factors we've been dealing with aren't going anywhere yeah uh i don't think that's going to change at all i think that what we're seeing is just kind of the new standard for a bit because let's be real if you look at what happened to prices over COVID? It wasn't just a twenty to thirty percent increase. There were like one to three hundred percent increases in these cards, and a lot of cases that had seen a rise of five to ten percent year over year, forever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of a sudden, you have this explosion in value, and there's got to be some sort of reciprocal to that. There, the rubber band has to snap back. Yeah, and I think that we're going to get more and more into you know people getting more into traditional investing getting out of magic as you know, the current Twitter conversation is how good or counterfeits and should you be using them? And I think that more and more, you're going to see people kind of shift away from the game. And as that happens, you'll see this downtrend in price. Now, there's still money to be made. Yeah. It's just not easy like it was during COVID mm-hmm. when it was
0: free. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I'm kind of in agreement, I think for non unique game pieces, we're yeah. absolutely going to see the market trend down but cards like Shieldred that are multi-format staples are basically just free rolls. They're the bonus round for this stuff. And there's a really good opportunity that as the rest of the market tanks, cards like uh, Shieldred, the the Whispering one or whatever the new one is, the four drop, is going... Cards like those, while they are few and far between, will start to see an increased price tag because there will be fewer people opening product less product will get opened by vendors overall they'll just look to use their buy list and thus we're going to hit this weird inflection point where we're start going to start seeing hundred dollar standard cards again but not because of ubiquity in play but because of uh rarity by scarcity yeah so that that's that's where i see the the non list market going and i i think you know combined with what you said we're kind of viewing it from the same angle just for me that was my immediate my immediate that's, call it was yeah. like wow when you actually do look at like an atroxa right that's a 20 some dollar card because yeah. it's played all the way down you know uh, it's not shielded good in format defining but it's still all, like all the way down yeah i i think the
1: interesting thing about that is how you know how often those cards seem to come into play because there was a while there where it was like every single set had some absolute banger like that. And then it kind of faded off a little bit. And now we're like every three to four sets, maybe we've got
0: one. Yeah, Uh, I I saw a question go by that was just pretty cut and dry. Was the last time we saw an almost hundred dollar standard card, Jace the Mind Sculptor. And my response was, or a hundred dollar card, something like that. And yeah. I was like, no, I think it was JVP. And I like JVP hit like somewhere between 60 and 70. Didn't quite hit the yeah. mark. Or hasn't hit the mark that Shieldra did. But we, we discussed this uh, off cast last episode. The Origins fat packs that were yeah. held at Distro <laughs> for whatever reason, then flooded the market, absolutely crashed the majority yep. of those cards. So we didn't know, but it was also kind of a, a rarity by scarcity problem. That was yeah. solved once Distro opened the floodgates on Origins product or their back catalog of Origins product. As far as Shieldred is concerned and, and what we might see going forward, there might just not be that product. It might just yeah. not be printed. It might not be sitting there. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's what we'll expect. So uh, what what then in the
1: next year, and this can be product release, this can be event this can be presumed philosophical change or something. What are you most excited for in the next year?
0: Uh, so it's just two sets, uh, realistically. It is uh, Bloombarrow and House of Horrors. And I think the high fantasy reset on the game is going to be really good for it. It'll be some interesting rejuvenation. And I think House of Horrors kind of coming back to that you know, horror escape that we saw with the original yeah. Innistrad and possibly doing it better than Innistrad did, because Innistrad leaned in a lot of directions and did them all fairly well. But if we can get the horror tropes down again, then I think that's also kind of a a rejuvenating aspect for the game. There is a point where they could just be calling back to calling back to Innistrad with uh, House of Horrors, but I don't think that is going to be the case. I think we're going to stray a little bit further. I hope so. Oh my god, I hope so. Like the product... Uh, description says um like more uh like amityville horror and slasher films rather than just werewolves vampires zombies Um, but for me that's what i'm looking forward to most is actually just the two set releases for you
1: so i'm actually the thing i am most looking forward to is honestly seeing what happens with organized play um and i i was excited somewhat excited for this after magic on vegas but after being at eternal weekend and feeling that feeling at an event which i haven't felt since pre-covid where i was like man i am excited for every single thing i'm about to do this weekend yeah and as much as i want to be home in my own bed with the cats and my wife i love being here this is a ton of fun and i want to feel that again and i think that you know, Koss and Card Titan again have done a great job of showing other people how to properly run an event, what a good magic event looks like. Mm-hmm. And now that we have an opening here for people to do that, I'm excited to see what kind of changes are in the pipeline for organized play to see if we can get something similar to those events again. Yeah. If yeah. we can get an increased pace of events, because don't get me wrong, I, realistically there was no way an event every weekend was going to last forever yeah, it just couldn't it it's not but at least more than every 4 months at least not having to go to a star city where like no offense you know there's like 500 people at those that's not a grand prix i'm sorry it's just not and i'm looking forward to see what we can do to try to change things and shake them up and that's that's what i'm excited for
0: yep yeah, no i i feel the same way uh, ew was a really great event. I got asked a number of times if I was going to be doing any of the events uh, in this coming year, and my first thought was, if they're like this, I would like to. Uh, exactly, yeah. If if they are like Eternal Weekend, I'll do every event you ask. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but as of right now, it's just like four announced Star Cities and yeah. Pro Tour Chicago, and I don't know if it's a Magic Fest or Magic Con out in Seattle. It's one or the other. Yeah. But that, that's all we know for this year. But yeah, I think OP and how that's shaping up is definitely something to look forward to. Unexpected from me, though. I thought uh, the game was dying, so OP wouldn't matter. But Uh, Taking a step back and going up a little bit, do we expect Hasbro or WotC to change anything that's going on for the better? I think right now, a lot of this question has to bank on Hasbro. Yeah. So, Uh,
1: what do you have for this? what i think is happening is you know hasbro obviously has a lot more control at watsi than they necessarily let on or display or own up to uh i am expecting that this year we're going to see i hope a little bit of a step back from hasbro okay to say look you know, maybe there's some level of self-awareness, although all of the earnings calls say otherwise. But I'm hoping that a lot of the pushback they've been getting recently for, you know, for one, mm-hmm. laying off a bunch of staff two weeks before Christmas, which I get it. There's never a good time to do it. That's way worse. <laughs> 100%, yeah. um, but I'm hoping that they recognize, hey, we need to listen a little bit more to our community and a little bit less to the shareholders. Um, and I would expect we may start to see some things Shift towards that, got it. Uh, because I think the community feedback has gotten louder and louder and louder about how things are being mismanaged. Vendors are being significantly more vocal than they ever have about their displeasure with things, and I'm hoping that they start to realize, and they will start to realize, hey, yep, yeah, but that uh, we messed up. We're out. We totally screwed it up. Sorry, guys. You can have it back. Mm-hmm. That would. That's what I hope for.
0: Okay. Uh, overall, I have. My answer to this is worse with a question mark, because I'm not quite sure how we get worse than 2023. Because this, <laughs> this also had the release of the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which, while, God. I believe a success in the long run, also saw them pull back. Not with open, yeah, with the open GL gaming license, right? Yeah, they they how tried can get to get worse than that, right? They tried to rug pull that. We have the firings basically at the end of the year. And so it is hard to imagine that things really do get worse from where we are. I just believe that Hasbro has the capability to do this. I just don't know how it's going to happen yet. And it could be, like I mentioned last episode, possibly two layoffs like I expect. One somewhere in Q1 and one somewhere in Q2. So we might not even know until the end of the year that things are actually getting worse because they just continued... To shed headcount. Shed, yeah. Um, We're we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of D&D, and people are wondering, well, what the hell are you going to do when you just dropped your workforce in a game that that people have to love? Yeah, how are you celebrating this now? Yeah, to actually do work on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think the only way that 2024 really looks up for both Hasbro and WOTC is that Pioneer and Modern both end up on Arena because that solves a ton of the cash flow flow problem that it seems Hasbro has when you bring people over from Moto to Arena and basically make them re-up in the economy in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just a fee of transferring their collections from one platform to another, because that's going to be the sticking point. But once you can do that and you can support the gameplay— then you absolutely need Easy. to get yeah you need to get those formats on arena and just let moto die in the hands of whomever owns it now yeah. let them own legacy vintage and vintage cube basically yeah cool that you can have it i think for me if anything is going to make 2024 good for WOTC under hasbro it's got to be that
1: yeah i i think one of the biggest things is and i've i've said this a million times I would always have an active moto subscription if you just let me pay fifteen dollars a month to play whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. You you give me the eternal weekend like legacy token, I mean, I'll pay you thirty a month. I don't care. Like I just wanna be able to play that format without having to invest in multiple ways for it. But I'm willing to spend whatever a month just to have it exactly it, it's it's so easy how are they not doing it it's such an easy way to monetize a
0: yeah, subscription model is so much easier than asking people to pay, to re-up and pay entry for every event you can let them yep. play in however many they want a month based on subscription tier it doesn't matter just give them access to everything at a subscription level and people will pay it gladly and happily and yet it is kind mm-hmm. of mind-blowing how nobody really figured it out because one of the best things about subscription models and gyms figured this out Fifty fucking years ago, most people <laughs> just pay for their gym subscription and never go. Yeah, and that's what's they're not even happen. using it. It's exactly. just free money. Exactly. Subscription models, at the end of the day, can just be free money. It, it, it's very clear, and it's a well-proven thing, and it's just kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. All right. That it's that hard. Yeah. Then I guess one of the biggest questions that we have here is the called shot for the year. Yeah. Who? So. Uh, I thought about this one long and hard.
1: Part of me was like, oh, I'll just go with, you know, what I went with in the over under where we fail profit forecasts. Uh, My called shot for the year. And I pray that I am right because I'm trying to be hopeful in this. If you couldn't realize uh, I had a white hat on for one of those questions and you had the black hat. Mm -hmm. I am hoping. At least one of the C-level employees or board members, whatever, at Hasbro will step down or step back in one way or another um, and hand it over to someone else.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not saying it's an AltaFox situation, but I think someone having, I would, I'm willing to go out on a limb on the hopeful side and be like, yeah, they're going to say, you know what, I've done what I came here to do. I'm stepping back. It's somebody else's show now. That's my called shot.
0: Uh, my call shot is the exact same thing, but from the other direction. I think it's going to be the pitchforks that come in. I said external pressures will call yeah. for a change at the sea level at Hasbro, either forced directly by the board itself or due to public outcry about mismanagement. Yeah, I so easily could see that as well. We're we're yeah. in this we're in the same boat here. Yeah. All right. And before we go to picks, I have a live fire question. This is the oh, sixth, baby. the sixth mystery question, and I'll, I'll give my answer because I, I need you to think about this. So you mentioned this in your answer. Do you think there's going to be another Alta Fox style conversation this year? And my answer is, I believe. With almost 100% certainty that we'll have another AltaFox-style scenario on our hands now that a number of financial institutions are looking at Hasbro and outlets like Forbes are starting to report on the financial woes of Hasbro directly and how they impact Watsy. Yeah, I fully
1: expect that conversation. If it was at like a murmur before, uh, I expect we get borderline shouting match by the end of the year. Where people come in and say, hey, here's all these firms that are experts on this. They're telling us one thing and you are telling us another while obfuscating data from us. And that's where things get really tricky, I think, because obviously the shareholders want to know what's going on with their money. I I mean, that's just a fact. For sure. Uh, I'm curious to see then what happens when they say, no, you need to show us what's going on. Yeah. We need to see what this is, and then we'll talk about it. And that's what I am most excited for. Uh, And I expect to hear that probably within the first six months is when it starts, and it gets deafening by Q3. Yeah. All
0: right. Love it. Yeah, it's just something I was thinking about when we were going through these questions. I was like, well, the last one that we talked about definitely begets the next one, which is the AltaFox conversation. And then Forbes dropped an article, and it's just, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Boy, things are getting fun out here. Yep. All right, so you ready for picks? Yes, let's do it. All right, I'm going to go first because I got a big dumb card. So, yeah! Uh, this week I am looking at uh, O'Hare Coslem Deepest Growth. This is the green O'Hare from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. It seems to be uh, one of the more popular ones, which is interesting considering the fact that they're all pretty good and people are just fawning over the white and blue ones. But nobody cares Naturally. This one sells well, but it doesn't have a lot of heat. Now, this is a 3 and double green for a 6-5 with Trample. When O'Hare Coslum deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library. You may put a creature card and or land card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. And when O'Hare uh, Cosm dies, return it to the battlefield tapped and transformed under its owner's control. And like the other O'Hare's, it flips and turns into a land and that land is tap, at a green and an activated ability of two and a green, tap it to transform Temple of Cultivation, which is the name of the land on the backside. Activate only if you control 10 or more permanents and only as a sorcery. So you basically have to have the city's blessing to do this. So it kind of is a little feedback loop there. And then you get to turn it back into uh, the O'Hare itself yeah uh, now when i picked this uh, originally a couple of weeks ago basically like a month ago ck was buying 170 at five dollars there were 166 listings on tcg player at seven dollars uh, and ck had eight copies for sale at nine dollars when i was taking my notes this week ck was buying eight at $3.20, and they were selling eight at $8, though they do obfuscate the entirety of their uh, retail stock. There were 310 listings on TCG Player at $5.43, and that is basically just people finally loading their copies into the open market, because when did this set come out? Basically at the end of November, right? So people are just slowly opening floodgates. Um, at the beginning of November on the 9th, CK was buying eight at $9, uh, sorry, they were selling eight at $9 and they were buying nine at $5.50. So the CK numbers are kind of all over the place. And what we're seeing when we look at standard cards is basically the same thing. They're opening not a lot of product and they're just sourcing from biolist. And once they hit the number from BIOList, they just zero it out, which is what we're actually seeing today as we record. The CK is no longer buying any set non-foils at all of this card. But I think that's fine. So... Uh, when we look at this card overall, it is high playability in decks that actually look to inflate creature power because that's basically how the O'Hare works. Because whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you reveal that many cards. So if it deals six, you reveal six. If it does twelve, you reveal twelve, and then you get a creature card and or a land card from among them and put them onto the battlefield. So you get two free cards. It's kind of like a different summoning trap. Yeah, it is. Uh, not the greatest commander and that's why this is more popular in the 99 than as a commander despite the fact that you can flip it into the land with the death trigger instead of putting it in the command zone but really as we dig in we see people looking to extend the uh, the color identity around this card to at least gruul which basically makes sense because mono green doesn't offer maximum redundancy on the inflate that gruul does and when we start taking a look on rec, that's basically like all we're seeing when we look at this card as just being in the 99. We see Xenagos, God of Revels, uh, we see stuff like uh, Geishath, which does want to pump and give trample, and then we just see some generic, like uh, fatty style decks in male the Enema, which is like one of the OG Nea generals where you're going to yeah. trigger as much as possible off creatures that have power five or greater because that is not just male's uh activated ability but in that deck the pre-constructed they gave you all the like elemental cards from shards of alara that triggered off of that so people kind of still kind of sit stay in that same frame when they're looking yeah. at this And this basically is just a super casual friendly card that can end games hilariously inside the combat step because you can flip a creature that pumps like Crater Hoof off of first strike damage, pump the rest of the squad, and then deal regular damage. So if you give your team first strike or double strike, which is not the most difficult thing to do in red, or this in particular... You can give it first strike or double strike. You can basically just close out a game with shenanigans in the combat step, which yep. is, again, like a more suitable way to end the game than just casting crater Hoof. Like flipping it off the top or something else similar to that. That's it. This does this not play in CDH. This is like your big, dopey, dumb commander card. And we're looking at it yep. now because we are in the dip. Everybody is shoving quantity. It's tanking in price but this is a card that people are going to want to play because of how big and silly and splashy it is, and these cards always have a home in Commander. And to kind of further this idea, we can take a look at the sales on TCG Player, which informs our timeline. CK by quantity, it dwindled down to zero, but the open market is moving about 17 copies a day, which is not huge for a card overall, especially when we keep seeing new listings pop up. But We can basically turn this around. I think the number was, once you, like, six or seven days, like, that's what we're looking at. That will get us into profit, but we're looking at cents on the dollar. And to actually start making dollars on this, we're probably looking somewhere closer to six months rather than three. So if we buy in now, kind of where the market's basically been floating, as this dries up with a decent VLO, it becomes a nice hold overall for about— three to six months down the line. And at that point in time, buy lists might open up. So much like our, my spec last week, we're looking to spend now and kind of tuck it away for later through the holidays. Into like, this isn't a tax time purchase. This is just a, like, oh wait, this works with what I'm doing. Kind of pickup. Yeah. I like playing the new Galta. This works well with that. You just plop it from hand. Oh, this powers up old Galta. It makes Skullspore Nexus cheaper. It makes the Great Henge cheaper and adds just additional value to what I'm trying to do with big, goofy, silly creatures. Moving on to reprint equity. The name's tied to Ixalan, and it's doubtful we'll see any of the O'Hares outside of this plane at all so i think we're fairly insulated we know that flip cards aren't impossible to put in commander sets they're just difficult yeah so that adds kind of another level to this this is not a great card for a master set either none of these really are they're actually kind of a miserable experience for draft formats they just ruin what's going on the games become about these which is like okay overall but it's just ridiculous play patterns flipping it into a land and back when it comes to buy quantity Currently, I don't have any because I'm not done opening my LCI product. But if I don't have two by the time I'm done with that, I'll buy these to play. And then after that, I'll pick up another eight to sit on for, down, for further down the line because I don't know if they're going to go to locals or back into the open market yet. But I can tell you that they will eventually move from my binder, and I will be happy when I make you know 10 20% on these further down the line. Yeah, that's what we're looking at. Uh, I think these cards are great. I think
1: the effect... The, the thing I like about this is actually how bad the other side of the card is. Uh, because the only text that matters there is the bottom one where it says retransform it. Yeah. But I think it is such a good Timmy card that it just seems like any big dumb dude deck wants this. It exactly. just wants this card in there. Yep. And that's, I mean, Battlecruiser Magic is a format in EDH. It's probably the majority of the format in EDH is just casual people playing Battlecruiser Magic. And this slides right into that. I think the other nice thing is, like you said, reprint equity is tied to Ixalan with us having just been there. I think it's pretty well insulated for a while, unless they do Secret Lair awful airports of the United States and they just make it O'Hare. O'Hare,
0: yeah. (laughs) There's the Brontosaurus statue in there. We're so close. So close.
1: Yeah, but and other other than that, I mean, I don't see where you're going to reprint this. So, based on market movements, it seems like a no brainer that just buy it, forget about it for a couple months, and check back at
0: what happens. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. one of the things that holds us holds us back right now is that. So again, there's only four of these. There's no there's no black one. So dumb. Yeah, um, and we. Just saw Star City do a commander versus video series featuring all of these as the commanders. yeah, but that's the thing. They feature them all as the commanders, and O'Hare Coslem is not a good commander. So it didn't quite flounder and sputter out in that game. It just did not have a good showing. So if people are looking yeah. for at content creation, see that immediately like oh, the card's kind of poopy. They won't actually investigate the playability yeah. inside the 99 until they get ranched by it. And then it's just like, Oh yeah. Or like players have read past, you know, Oh, this isn't a, a commander. This belongs in the 99. 99 this a, yeah. yeah. This is a tutor target. I just win. This is uh the reason it's most likely in Xenagos is because it's another way to find blightsteel Colossus and one shot somebody the next turn set yep. up like that. When you double its power with Xenagos from six to 12, things like that. There's a lot of weird ticky tacky stuff you can do with this. The rest of them are very much on the nose and had much better performances. So there is that little bit of like neg on this overall. I just think there's a lot more going on with this card than some of the others because it's not all out on the surface. You know, you don't triple the number of tokens you're creating, for instance, like you do with the white one. Reading the card explains the card for that one. We're waiting for this one to kind of catch fire and it will in time. So yeah. Yeah. On the other side of things, you have another market call-out.
1: I do indeed. So my call-out this week is Sathasa's Oracle. So this is something that, you know, obviously Eternal Weekend, people thought that this card was going to start going up. And it did go up a little bit starting in August, October when Eternal Weekend was launched, or was announced. But prior to that, we had a new floor on the card of $7.00. Now, unlike Mind Break Trap, which has already started cratering compared to where it was, uh, we are holding tight at a new floor of looking at about $9 on the low end of things right now on TCG Player Market, like 12-ish, 13, I think, something yeah, like
0: that. Somewhere
1: um, but mm-hmm. this is a market call-out because if this is just the floor now, this is the time to invest. Yeah. Now, I'm not one to say that a card mechanically is not something they want to reprint, but Aside from Dockside Extortionist, this has been the most divisive card in commander of the last probably 10 years, honestly, even though it's only three years old, which, holy shit, it was only three years ago. Um, It's just incredibly powerful. It's warping. It's a feels bad to lose to
0: in EDH. So this is like uh, jokes have layers like ogres, and this is one of them. Um, Thassa's Oracle is basically Rome in this equation where yeah. as as a commander player, all roads lead to Rome here. Like how am I going to win this or a CEDH player? All yeah. roads lead to Rome. How am all I going to lead to Rome? How am and I going to win this is. game? Thoracle. It's easy. Yeah. It's two cards. And, and A can be like one of like what, like six or eight or a dozen cards. Yeah. And B is just Thoracle. Yeah.
1: And, you know, Being a two-drop, there's tons of ways to tutor that up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other thing is, at least locally, and again, I've tried to go more anecdotal LGS-based with the approach, a lot of our players are now starting to just, if you can't beat them, join them. I just have to accept that if I am going to go to a tournament for this, if I am going to play at a high level, I just have to have Thoracle in my deck at this point because it's the most efficient way to do things. And it sucks, but, I mean, if the response to Dockside was have a conversation, that's probably going to be the response to Thoracle. And I think that now that we're seeing a little bit of a drop-off in this card, not price-wise, but in terms of velocity, because Eternal Weekend is over,
0: yeah.
1: now's the time to take a look, see how the dust settles, and start picking up if you haven't already. Uh, I mean, there was a time not that long ago where this card was you know, 20 know $30 at a booth at an event, so it's fairly close by like earlier this year you could get them for that mm-hmm. um, that we were at a higher price point than this so right now you know we're sitting at what was buy list six months ago on this card and I don't see it getting much lower because seemingly the adoption is increasing yep. and I just wanted to call it out as hey keep an eye on this this is something to pay attention to maybe start picking it up or pick a couple copies up if you haven't yet Obviously, like for us as a store, we could have infinite copies and we'll still sell them all because oh, sure. EDH is the most popular format in store.
0: Yeah. And it's actually played in every paper constructed format. It's legal in. It's uh, uh, yep. a win con. Every single yeah. one of them. Think of one. It's played there. Guaranteed. Yeah. And it's that uh, the, the goofy arena format that just came out. Timeless. Yeah. You can thorical combo in timeless. It's so dumb. So even in non-paper <laughs> formats in digital only formats, people are thoracling. This is a card that it, it is a game pillar. It is not a format pillar. It is yeah. a pillar
1: of the game. It at this almost point. just
0: feels like there's a standoff surrounding this card, which is just like either somebody just needs to make a move and say, like, all right, we're just going to actually rebuild Thoracle combo for var- Yeah. For like modern and that's it. We're going to make this deck good and end it here. Or just make a small run on Thoracles and, and basically buy out the individual players selling it and just put them all in stores. And when that happens, this card just takes off in terms of price and it's never going to come back because at its core, just like Dockside Extortionist, I do believe this card is a design mistake.
1: Yeah. And I I think that unlike Dockside Extortionist, this is not a design mistake that people think is fun. No. Some people do think Dockside is fun. People do not think
0: Thassa's Oracle is fun. It's efficient. Yeah, it's good. It's not fun. No, agreed. Like the being a legacy player and having a dooms uh, a doomsday player locally is great because that deck is not like it's not feel bad to lose to because there's so much pl- so much interplay yeah. that leads up to Thoracle and back and forth, and it is basically just like a one two yeah. thing because you set up your doomsday pile and you go four cyclers Thoracle, we're done. And yep. like at, at its core, obviously there's nuance based on what's left in the board state. Yeah. You might not be able to do that, but the interplay to get there is what matters. When you're looking at Commander and what happens when you start warping your deck around Thoracle and you start gassing Thoracle, a lot of that gameplay breaks down regardless of how many players are at the table because you've got to stop the one player and then the next one just wins. And it is just this resource battle to stop one or two players and then that's yeah. it. the game just folds in upon itself and the next player or the one after them lose it, or sorry wins the game basically right yeah. there and it's like i said i think there's just this from a constructed format this odd agreement for modern that people don't want to be doing it but they could and should uh, pioneer will probably yeah. get there soon enough and then in commander it's just like people don't want to but they should, and the moment everybody agrees that thoracle is the thing that that we should be doing, then the Guess what we're doing. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So I like Thoracle as, as a call out overall. This is something that you should be watching anyway, because like I said, the moment somebody or some team decides that's it, we're just gonna Thoracle for fun and profit. Yeah. It's that's guess it. Guess what? It's over. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you get nothing but marks for me on this one. Um, and the, the one thing I do want to say is like, we just got a Merfolk commander deck. We've had a pseudo one before, and I don't think there's anywhere this card ever gets a reprint outside of secret layers. Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. You can try and pretend that this might come up as a, mo- in modern horizons, but why would you put this card in a modern horizon set? It was a standard right. rare. It doesn't need reprinting from that standpoint. Like, up oh, there's not enough population. It's not a brand right. new card. It actually can just ruin draft formats. Like, especially from a master cool. set. From a standard set, it was fine. Like, that yeah. format was not one where you were going to combo album. But modern master sets have the uh, the distinct opportunity to get goofy. So, overall, I like the pick. I think it's solid. I think it's a good look and definitely something that, especially if you don't own your copy or copies now and you think you might be playing these formats, get them sooner rather than later because it'll run you, like, 40 ish dollars now in yeah. the next couple of weeks. It'll be 50. Pretty straightforward. Yep. It's good. So I like the pick overall. Anything Thanks. else before we head out? No. All right. So for at Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at Haltion Reptar. You are? At Damon underscore Thurston. And we'll see you next week.